Houston is changing. It's getting hotter, and summer lasts longer. We're getting bigger storms. Energy is way more expensive, and now lots of Houstonians are thinking about how to live here in ways that won't wreck the planet for generations to come. So how do we do that? A big piece of it is changing our buildings. I'm talking today with somebody who's thought a lot about how to do that. Reeves Taylor is co-leader of Global Design Resilience for the architecture firm Gensler, and he teaches architecture at both Rice and the University of Houston. As a longtime Houstonian, he has thought a lot about how to live in this hot climate. It's Tuesday, May 10th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Recording all my classes over the last two years, like halfway through this amazing lecture, did you turn the recording button on, Professor? Of course, I, I still say, I'm not taping it. Taping? What do you mean taping? <laughs> What's taping? Scotch tape? Yeah, just to show the age. Anyway. Reeves. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. I am very excited about talking to you about sustainable buildings in Houston because you're in charge of sustainability worldwide for Gensler, right? That's correct. Well, co-director. There's, there's, it takes a village. Co-director. It takes a village to, okay. to tackle 6,000 amazing people <laughs> touching 1.5 billion square feet a year. Yep, we're, we're doing our little part. Okay, but I am just interested in Houston. Very good. So if we want to make Houston buildings more sustainable, very briefly, where do we start? Well, Houston is a very unusual climate that's getting more oh, and yeah. more challenges. And it has kind of an unusual culture about, you know, I can do what I need to do or not in my backyard. So in one way, it's it's really about communication and education. Uh, you know, buildings don't just be there. They have to operate. And the operations are what need to be sustainable. And so in working with the mayor's office, you know, on our climate action plan, it's about educating uh, not just those who operate buildings, you know, turn on the systems, but it's also those who use the buildings. And so how do we get smart in not just how we maybe buy the house, build the house, but operate it? So basically, sustainability in Houston, we have to deal with the humidity. We have to deal with the rain. And so really, one of the most important things is to make sure our buildings outside, we call it the envelope, just like, you know, letters envelope. Mm -hmm. The outside of our buildings have to be tight, shouldn't let water in. But also it's the humidity because we spend a lot of our energy, a lot of our carbon footprint in our part of the world is, you know, dehumidifying the air, whether it's leaking in our houses or in these big skyscrapers, there's a dedicated air system that takes a lot of energy. And that's kind of the first thing. And by the way, mm-hmm. it helps when we have our challenging, you know, hurricanes because the building <laughs> stays tight and it's designed okay. to be durable even in those challenging times. So when the power goes off, And for a couple of days, and we need to kind of keep things buttoned down, it stays okay, you see. It doesn't suddenly turn into a sweat box immediately. Or a mold of mildew, you know, Petri dish. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is all around our humidity challenge. You know, as we learned with Harvey, you know, we didn't have a lot of house damage. We had those poor folks, you know, upstream, if you will, of the dams. But it was primarily when we had, like, places with no power and that high humidity. And perhaps some rain did get in. And so, you know, we're seeing that world of our choice of materials, which is number two. We need to choose the yeah. materials that work here. 
We need to choose local materials because getting it from all over the world is not a very sustainable thing either. But if they belong yeah. here, then they might, like those wonderful houses they show off in Galveston every year in their home tours, they might last longer because it's not made of cardboard. It's made of solid stuff that, you know, historically has worked well in our Texas Gulf Coast. So what is that? It's old school. It's what worked, you know, for Galveston yeah. for, you know, those years. It's solid wood, not particle board. It's if you have the carpets, have them be rugs. You take out and air out if they get wet versus wall to wall. It's other issues relative to how your wood is surfaced and so forth. So it's kind of learning what we did before we had all the fancy mechanical and electrical technology, kind of go back to our basics. Oh. There's this idea of a building... Uh, historically, you know, you, you modified, you tweaked your house, you tweaked your old office building, opening windows, turning on the radiators, perhaps having a ceiling fan, and you modified the environment not through some fancy mechanical system or a simple thermostat. You actually got to know, hmm, in the summertime, this side of the building's warm, so I'm not going to hold my meetings on the west side. You know, you started to understand how the building worked, and you worked with it, rather than just it's one size fits all, it's always perfectly cool and dehumidified, which in a world of cheap energy, we could do. And the reality is, I think we have to rethink that. You know, let's recognize energy and water resources are increasingly precious and they have some consequences we in Houston are only now kind of remembering. Oh, yeah. I am not used to thinking of water as being in tight supply in Houston, but we're getting there. And we now see uh, challenges with uh, wildfires, which, you know, if you think about oh. being in Houston, as I have for, you know, 40 some odd years, I don't ever recall we saw it in Austin. Of course, we see it out in West right. Texas. But, you know, basically from the Mississippi West, you know, most of that land is going to have a wildfire at one point or the other. Because in, you know, historically 200, 300 years ago, it happened regularly, even with, right. quote unquote, the wet Gulf Coast. It still happens. So we need to be thinking about wildfires, like with our houses, with our buildings. So oh, freeze. Yeah. So the, the, there's all kinds of thinking about how you handle, yeah. you know, the way you manage your yard, what you plant, looking at the materials of the house back again, a tight envelope, uh, you know, making mm -hmm. sure things don't find its way into the vents, into your attic, which is, you know, another approach. Your leaves shouldn't yeah. be in the gutter. So, yeah, there's all kinds of thinking about this phrase called resilience or preparedness. Right. So you mentioned the mayor's resiliency plan. What is that? So there's actually two different amazing leaders working for the mayor, one for what was called mm -hmm. Climate Action, uh, yeah. which is signing up to reduce the city's and the city's citizens' carbon footprint. And then there was a separate plan called the resilience plan was effectively how can we as a city get our collective act together to withstand uh -huh. these challenges in a coordinated way. And both, by the way, had different funding and finance. What's happened in working... Uh, in the past couple of years is the, the mayor's office has merged the two. It's also elevated the focus on, it's got to apply to everyone across the community. The whole equity and diversity is always a challenge in any city, in Houston, and it's now time to particularly elevate it because our communities of color, our communities of disadvantaged investment are particularly susceptible to being ravaged by the increased heat and rain and so forth. But effectively, both of these plans try to address what the city can do. Can we're, mm -hmm. we're a part of the world where regulation doesn't drive things. But how? No, we're Texas. How we don't can, do regulation. That's right. <laughs> so the city can take the yeah. lead in, in, in smart things like, you know, the city is moving more and more to have its own power. 
come from renewable sources. It's where it buys its power. It has to be competitive. Right. It's looking at, you know, EV vehicles. It's looking at uh, one of the biggest... For its fleets. For its fleets, right? exactly. Yeah. And, and one of the big... So they can just have one charging station and... And which has all those city which trucks has a power park. issue, and it's partnering with Centerpoint, who right. owns all the street lights, to make sure some of those are renewable. It's looking at one of its biggest footprint is cleaning and moving water, which you turn on the tap, and when you flush the toilet, that's the city delivery, and that takes a lot of energy too. So they're looking at smart ways, renewable ways for that energizing. And by the way, we don't have water; we don't generate electricity. When we had our big drought in 2011, we in fact had a situation where there just wasn't enough water for those power plants to draw water from to generate electricity. So we're starting to see, you know, sustainability is about how this all hangs together. And that's what our last several mayors from Mr. White and Ms. Parker and Mr. Turner, they're all getting we need to coordinate and through public action, show the opportunity to the private realm saying, you know, look, this makes economic sense. This makes business sense. It minimizes our other big challenge of business interruption. That was, you know, that was Harvey. You know, nobody right. was terribly hurt. We had a lot of cars underwater, but people couldn't get to work. And that was a big deal before we learned how to do the pandemic stay at home. Now, maybe things are a bit different, but, you know, businesses want to get back to business quickly. And so this climate action and resilience plan now combined make a lot of sense for just, you know, the longevity and durability of the Houston business community. But do you have to reach every business in Houston? Well, I mean, that is it's tough and convince them. Yeah, so you know, the first <laughs> Good thing, luck the first convincing thing is, that many Houstonians of anything. Well, yeah. you, the first thing is is back to all those homeowners. You know, it makes sense right. if I can lower my electricity bill. And and by the way, right. there's a move afoot as challenging as it is in Texas, which is let's use natural gas. So I want an electric stove, not a gas stove. Yeah. I want an electric water heater, not a gas water heater or a heat pump water heater. And, and all of those make yeah. sense. There's a cost to that. This idea of weatherization is, is at the mm-hmm. center of both the climate action resilience plan. How do we encourage like way back Mayor Brown and Mayor Lanier try to do, which is some funding to help communities that often don't have the, the money, the budget, to put a new roof on, make sure the windows are sealed, make sure the door is closed with weather stripping. There's no smarter approach, once again, in our climate than to keep the outside out and the inside in and, you know, invest, as you've noted, in smarter you know, electrical appliances that not only pay for themselves, but arguably can be, you know, much more efficient in using the electricity that though renewable, we have to be, you know, much smarter about how we demand our electricity. That's sustainability 101. So you've got to convince a lot of people to do a lot of stuff yes, to make this work. That is correct. It is, yeah. it is a behavior shift. It is a, a shift of how we do what we do every day. No question. Do you think it's happening? Are people changing? Well, I think in some parts of the world, um, uh, I think it is. And recently... In some parts of the Houston world or in some, or parts in of, some in other some cities, parts yeah? of our you know, North America, Latin America, etc. Mm-hmm. We just completed about three weeks ago a, a North America Climate Action Survey as part of our Gensler Research Institute. And it was mm-hmm. very much focusing on what the perception in the United States of a survey sample for one end or the other is climate change real? Have you been impacted? Because you're impacted, what do you think should happen or are you concerned? And in fact, at this stage, surprisingly over the last handful of years, and it's not different here in Houston or Texas, uh, really Mm -hmm. the regions are about the same as literally 70 some odd percent of those who were surveyed said it's real. Of those, the majority, over 66 percent said, I've been impacted multiple times by hurricanes, wildfires, floods, etc. You know, climate related components. 
only 18% said my neighborhood, my community, my city is prepared. So people wow. are really interested as we've seen it, as we've queried yeah. them, what should I do to my house? What should I encourage the public to do for my community? How do I maintain a quality of life? And no one is yet at the mode to say I'm moving, you know, the, the whole notion of climate migration. You know, right. I'm staying put. Well, a whole nother question. <laughs> Different right? question, right. And so the point is people said, I'm committed to my community. What is it I should do? And a lot of it has to do with what we've just talked about. Yes, it's about budget. Yes, it's about funding. And yes, it takes a lot of people. Even the big office buildings, though they're very visible, it's a very small percentage of what is our buildings in Houston is housing. You know, and, and we've done some research yeah. and uh, with with no exception across the United States, housing and multifamily housing are the monster of uh, use space or uses in the United States. It's 60, 70, 80 percent of the square footage that is in each city, New York, Chicago, oh. L.A. It's housing. So, yes, wow. the challenge is we've got to work and encourage the house people to think in a different way. So, OK, if there is one thing that I can do in my own home, what would you recommend? I'm a great believer in making sure your roof is really, really wonderful. It's a combination of can the roof, not only is it maintained, but there's something called a cool roof. So that literally the neighborhoods with these roofs, which by the way, could be designed and specified to avoid some of the wildfire issues, that that roof is not only keeping the neighborhood cool, but it also keeps the house underneath cool. It sheds the water. You know, I'm a great believer. Think of the roof as a parasol, you know, like the umbrella. It sheds water, but it also shades the house underneath. So I'm a great believer in big eaves, you know, not tight little Georgian houses, but like the bungalows we love in Montrose. They were made for this part of the world. Uh, I've got a, a certain product on my roof that I put it several years ago, and I saw the energy savings, you know, that summer dramatically just because it wasn't a black asphalt roof, you know. Oh, this is good. We should do a whole show just on roofs. Because I, I drive by all these black roofs oh, yeah. and they make me furious. And, and, yeah. and these these covenants say, you know, make the roof XYZ, which is like giving you an extra tax for, you know, energy costs. And, you know, right. if you're buying a house, check that roof. I mean, as silly as it sounds with our hail and so forth, you know, in Texas, a roof is a really important thing. All right. This has been great, Reeves. Thank you Always so, so much fast. It's great to it. see you, Lisa. That was Reeves Taylor. Now, I am here with lead producer Dina Kesba. Dina, what is going on around Houston? Hey, Lisa. So we cannot ignore this weather. The National Weather Service predicts that the temperatures are going to reach 94 to 95 degrees Thursday through Saturday. That is some record heat for May, y'all. Now, Galveston, meanwhile, already set its record on Sunday, recording a high of 88 degrees not really what we're getting in May usually. Now, while you're thinking, oh, I'll just, you know, run out to the pool and sit poolside or jump in the pool and go for a swim, maybe you want to rethink that because these are really high temperatures. And based on what the National Weather Service is advising, they're telling people to drink a lot of water, wear light clothing, wear sunscreen, and really limit those outdoor activities, particularly kind of in the midday when it really gets hot. So, If this says anything about what our summer is going to be like, oh boy, it's going to be hot. Stay cool out there, y'all, and drink a lot, a lot of water. That is it today for CityCast Houston. If you enjoyed the show, please tell three friends. We'd appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow with more news from around the city. Bye.
Drum roll, please. Dum, 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 dum. 